Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you, even if it is digitally. Some of you were at a morning gathering about 12 months ago when I had the opportunity to speak for a couple of minutes around the theme of our budget and giving. Now, I was sitting on a stool in the front of the room and the way in which I was sitting meant that the seat of the stool kept putting upward pressure on my back pocket. And halfway through what I was saying, my wallet fell out of my back pocket and landed open on the floor. When I finished and was picking my wallet up, I think I made some kind of comment about how that might be symbolic of the need to get our wallets out of our pockets a bit more often. Well, this morning, And again, next Sunday morning, we are going to invite you to imagine if Christians couldn't keep their wallets in their pants. What would it be like if the wallet came out of the pants more regularly? Not by accident, but by choice, intentionally and freely. So is this the the money talk again? Well, yes and no. Sometimes it's not easy to talk about money, not because the subject itself is a difficult one, but because it can be misunderstood as simply saying, we want you to give more money. And that's not what this is about. What we are trying to do is to build into the ethos of our church a spirit of generosity. So that as a church and as individuals, we display that spirit of generosity in the way that we live. And I want to dig around in in the second part of Matthew chapter 6 this morning for a couple of ideas about this theme of, of generosity. First of all, our generosity is the response of a grateful heart. And what I mean by that is that it is our gratitude to God for his generosity to us that inspires us to be generous. Now, if I were to ask what a disciple of Jesus was, many people would respond, well, it's someone who follows Jesus. And yes, that's true. But I can use that same kind of expression for other things. Like, I can follow a football team. And it means nothing more than I like them and I want them to win. I can follow someone on on Instagram or on Twitter. And what I mean is that I enjoy looking at the photos that they post or hearing about the things that they are doing in life. Now, is that all that we mean when we talk about following Jesus? Because if it is, it seems pretty lame to me. The word that's translated disciple in the New Testament is derived from the word to learn. So a disciple is a learner. 
not a learner of information like a student in a university, but a learner of practice like an apprentice in a workshop. We do what we see Jesus doing. And because Jesus said that he did what he saw the Father doing, we do what we see God doing as it unfolds in the life of Jesus. Let me give you an illustration of how this works. In Ephesians 4.32, Paul says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We observe God reaching out in forgiveness. We experience that forgiveness in our own lives. We are so grateful for having been forgiven that, that the overflow of that forgiveness is extended in our forgiveness of others. Generosity works the same way. I'll say up front that God is a generous God, a lavishly generous God. In Matthew 6, Jesus invites us to have a look around at the world. Look at the birds, he says. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at how generous in his provision God is to them. And if we, as Jesus said, are worth much more to God than that, how much more generous will God be to us? Now, if you're sitting there thinking, well, hang on a sec, God hasn't been all that generous to me. Generosity is not just about material things. Think about the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that God has lavished on us in Christ. You can read about that in Ephesians chapter 1. It's all there. God has been lavishly generous towards us. And that generosity calls forth from us a generosity towards others. Secondly, our generosity is the response of a transformed heart. And what I mean by that is that our hearts have been transformed from preoccupation with self to preoccupation with God and his kingdom. So Jesus said, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You'll have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God whilst enslaved to the God of money. Now we could swim in this ocean all day. There's one thing that I want to take out of those verses this morning and that is that the way in which we use our money is a sign of what is going on in our hearts. If in our hearts we are preoccupied with self, then we are going to use our money and our resources to accumulate more and more stuff for ourselves and we're going to be tight-fisted 
towards others and towards God. But if in our hearts we are passionate in our pursuit of God and his kingdom, then we are going to be open-handed. We are going to be generous towards God and towards other people. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19, in what might well be Paul's commentary on Matthew 6, he says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to help others, to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Our hearts are transformed for the pursuit of God and his kingdom and out of that flows a generosity towards God and others. I want to share a story from the Old Testament that helps illustrate these principles. And we're going to start in Exodus chapter 25 and if you've got your Bibles and you want to find that, let me just set a little bit of the background. God is about to give Moses instructions for the building of the tabernacle, the forerunner to the temple. And this was to be the focal point for God's presence with and his reign over his people. If I can put it in language that, that is more in keeping with our own calling, this was to be the focal point for the establishment and the growth of God's kingdom. Firstly, among his own people, and then through his people to the rest of the world, because his people were called to help the rest of the nations come to understand something of the glory and the sovereignty of God. Does it sound familiar? The tabernacle needed to be financed. Exodus 25, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Now before we move on, two things. One, the Israelites were not just giving to a project, they were giving to God. Secondly, all of what follows is predicated on the assumption that God wants his people to give willingly and generously, not under compulsion or out of duty or begrudgingly. God loves a cheerful giver. Right? God gets a real buzz out of seeing his people get a real buzz out of being generous. So we move on 10 chapters to Exodus 35. The instructions have been given. Verse 21 of Exodus 35. All whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. Notice again the connection, eight, connection between heart and giving. But there's a backstory to this. 
I want to ask the question where the Israelites got all of this stuff that they were giving. All of the expensive material, all of the gold, all of the silver that they were giving. Where'd they get it from? They, they were slaves in Egypt. They didn't have it. Well, before they left Egypt, God told the Israelites to ask their Egyptian neighbours for some help. And God so moved their Egyptian neighbours that the Egyptians gave the Israelites all of this gold and silver and expensive material that they were now giving to the establishment of the tabernacle. Their generosity was flowing out of God's generosity to them. Then we move into the next chapter, chapter 36, verses 3 to 7. God, uh, Moses was giving this to the workmen, the, the craftsmen, who were working on the tabernacle. So Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the sanctuary left their work. They went to Moses and reported, the people have given more than enough materials to complete the job the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command, and this message was sent throughout the camp, men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. What would it be like if Christians couldn't keep their wallets in their pants? There would always be more than enough for the work of God's kingdom and for the support of those in need. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your generosity, your lavish generosity towards us. We pray that you would fill us with gratitude, with a passion for you, of love for you, of love for others, that will inspire in us the same generosity that we see in you. And we ask that your kingdom will come and that your will will be done in us, in Blacktown, as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for being with us today. Hope you have a lovely week and an opportunity at some point to bless others with your generosity.